Hello and welcome to Our Three Cents, a podcast celebrating the finest video games of the last 30 years. My name is Jonathan Dunn and I am joined in person by my childhood friend, Chris Dow. Hello. <laughs> Hi. And communicating through the wonders of telephony, my adulthood friend, Minty Booth. I'm all alone, but I'm here. Hello. And we are discussing our all-time top 100 video games. This week we have our number 85s. But before we do that, it's time to see whether or not Chris can level the playing field in the quiz. How far behind am I? You are one point behind Minty. Oh, just one point. Okay. Just one point. So today you could bring it back level or Minty could extend his lead. I could double it. You could double your lead. Ron Gilbert and Tim Schafer created The Secret of Monkey Island in 1990. The first in a series of point-and-click adventure games set in a fictional version of the Caribbean during the Age of Piracy. But what is the name of the mighty pirate protagonist of the game? Guybrush Threepwood. Oh, that is incredibly close. But I think by a brez het, the point goes to Chris. Oh, oh. I think it does. Playing field levels. There we go. Level, level. Neck and neck. Seven all, seven all. So... What have we been playing this week? I mean, I'm pretty sure I, I'm just going to be playing Dead Cells for the rest of my life now because it is so good. I don't know how many hours I'm, at, I'm into it now, 30, maybe 40. It's just wonderful. It's a continual joy. It's the game that keeps on giving. Still got so much to mine in there. And I know that there's a huge update on its way, which I'm very excited about. So, uh, yeah, just can't turn myself away from it. With the... Uh update are you concerned it's going to be uh, a binding of isaac situation that like we talked about a few weeks back it's a fear that obviously the game at the moment is so perfectly balanced and i can't see how it could be improved i mean it's going to have to be really really special it's going to have to be really well thought out but from the sounds of it it's not just a case of oh this is a cool idea here's a patch they've taken nine months apparently to do this this update and i think a lot of it's going to focus on the post-game content side of things so yeah hopefully they'll have learnt from any mistakes that maybe the binding of isaac might have made in just throwing too many <laughs> too many things into the mix and getting a shit pudding <laughs> my favorite favorite pudding i'm sure shit pudding's probably one of the one of the weapons you can get would not surprise me probably wouldn't surprise me oh. It's speaking of uh, continued obsessions, have you continued Tetris? I mean, I, I was saying earlier that I've, I've been trying to get through bits of Nino Kuni on the DS, like I mentioned the other week. But since I've been getting more and more and more into Tetris 99, unless I set actual deadlines or actual kind of like times I'm working to say, it's 10 o'clock, I'm not playing anymore, I will just play infinitely. I mean, I must say, because today I got to see you play it in person. <laughs> and in my mind, and I've, I've described you to people as a Tetris savant, which I thought, well, you know, I, I know that when I get into the zone of playing Tetris, I can play pretty fast, but but by by gum, <laughs> I it, I've never seen I've never seen Tetris played like that. It was it was quite extraordinary. And to be fair, if I was that good at it, I would keep playing it. But unfortunately, every time I play Tetris ninety nine, my heart rate elevates so much after a couple of games that my anxiety can't cope anymore, <laughs> and I just have to well go and play Tetris Effect to bring yeah. myself back down. The real roller coaster of emotions that uh, Tetris gives you. But um, my my GPs have stopped prescribing me diazepam, so um, I'll leave Tetris ninety nine to the pros. <laughs> Minty, have you uh, have you and Mrs. Minty uh, partook in this weekend's Tetris tournament? Yeah, we've 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 done a bit of it. Um, I got third place 
twice on Friday, and let me tell you, that was a rush. Whew. Lying in bed like, oh boy, whew. Can you, whew. Needed a cold compress, yes. Whew. Is it because usually when you're in bed, you're used to coming first? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I've taken advantage of my severely weakened state to revisit a couple of modern epics. I finally completed all the quests in Breath of the Wild. Oh, well done. And I've just started a new playthrough on Skyrim, which I'm having a nice time with. Fantastic. I was just saying earlier on tonight that um, I've, I've really got a hankering for playing some Skyrim. It's probably because I'm re-watching my way through Game of Thrones at the moment. So, um, so moving on to the rankings. First up, we have Mr. Dow. Chris, can you tell us what your 85th favourite video game of all time is? My 85th favourite video game of all time is for the Nintendo Wii. Oh, the Wii. Yeah, the Wii, the Wii is kind of a bit of an anomaly, I think, as a console. Yeah. And that when it was announced, I, I remember having conversations with people and thinking, like, what are Nintendo playing at? Like, we're, we're going into, like, the HD generation. We, we've got kind of um, the early release 360. We've got the PS3 on the horizon. And Nintendo say, okay, we're going standard definition. It's a GameCube that's marginally better, and you wave your arms around. And, and I didn't know what that did for me kind of thing. I, I really struggled at that time. And as more and more people kind of bought them, like friends and family, people who didn't traditionally play games sometimes, it kind of put me off more and more, like, as it became more mainstream because of the time in my life that was I that just wasn't what I wanted to play or do and I remember like years on even like say two three years after release one of our friends Rick that we went to school with he picked up a Wii and he in like a bundle and he texted me excited at the time and I said oh what games came with it and he was like oh we got a Mario Kart we got a Mario the other one (laughs) and it's like at, at at the time he was talking about new Super Mario Brothers but the fact that it was appealing to people that were just like well it's got it's got Mario in it doesn't it yeah that really put me off, despite the fact I've really enjoyed <laughs> Mario games. It wasn't yeah. like I wasn't going to enjoy it, but it just didn't feel like it was for me. But this, this game, the first kind of exposure I had was when it first appeared in stores, the Wii. Do you remember they had those kind of virginal white booths, uh, mm. like the little TVs where they just play like rolling footage of games? And you'd had like the family all dressed in pure white, and it was all a weird marketing thing. Yeah. But one of the games they were playing which is the game I'm talking about, uh, is Excite Truck. Oh. And looking at it on that, that footage at the time, in this horribly crushed, compressed, standard definition footage, yeah. I just thought, this looks fucking dreadful. <laughs> 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 and, and sort of, you know, we're, we're watching this family, the, the dad sitting there holding his Wiimote, like full on, like skidding himself back and forth on the couch because it was all motion controlled. All the terrain looked really blurry. You couldn't tell what was going on looking at that footage it was like this is no better than the playstation 2 that i've got in my house at the moment like it's not enough for jump but when i finally got a wii this is talking like four or five years after release uh, i couldn't have been more wrong about the wii in itself uh, but excite truck especially and the wii although it's not my favorite console by any means i think it's impossible to look back at what nintendo was doing then with the ds and the wii and not feel like a real fondness for it Mm. Because it wasn't necessary for me at the time in the same way that now people who get annoyed about stuff like Nintendo Labo, it's probably because it's not for them. Yeah. But it's not to say it's not a great idea for people that didn't play games that wanted to, people that kind of found whatever the PlayStation was doing at the time, like intimidating if you hadn't played games. And they were just doing really good things, I think, to actually get people into gaming. And that's why they still have this wholesome image now, I think. 
so Excite Truck to actually talk about the game. <laughs> and it's an arcade racing game. And it's connected loosely because of its title to Excite Bike, like back from the NES. Yeah. It did have like a Nintendo 64 version as well, but it was a bit kind of more serious and po-faced, that version. Whereas Excite Truck is mechanically far similar to Burnout, if you play okay, any of the Burnout yeah, yeah, games. Yeah. And you are using the Wiimote essentially like a steering wheel. You're kind of tilting it back and forth to steer. But it's all about doing tricks by shaking it, getting endless sort of boost power to go faster and faster. And you need to be boosting and you need to be going faster constantly. And it's one of those games that it's just you go and you don't stop until the end of a race and that's yeah. it. And even though, like I say, this, this idea of kind of motion control, when I played Mario Kart on the Wii for the first time with someone and they handed me a Wiimote, it felt like absolute heresy. Yeah. And forever afterwards, I was like, I'll bring the GameCube controller. <laughs> I just, I'll bring my own. Don't worry about it. I'll bring my own. Yeah. But with Excite Truck, it actually feels right. The whole game is imprecise and it's wild and it's meant to be slippy. And having that kind of not quite enough friction, not quite enough traction, I think he makes a decent amount of sense for how wide the tracks are, for how it's meant to be kind of like slippy off-road racing. I don't know. It's a racing game that feels untamed. Mm. It's kind of, you never quite feel like you're in control. Like Kurt Cobain. <laughs> <laughs> i mean he he wasn't in control was he because he shot his own face off oh too soon man <laughs> his body was uh, discovered on my birthday in 1994 he was found dead on your seventh birthday and there's not a day on my birthday where i don't remember it excite truck when people play racing games people tend to steer with their or bodies steve anyway. irwin was it, what is he on my birthday as well no, I'm talking about a, a wild spirit, or whatever we were saying. <laughs> an untamed spirit. An untamed truck. Jesus. When people play racing games, you tend to steer with your body anyway. You do. And I think what Excite Truck taps into is that sort of base desire to do that. When you really get into a game, like a stupid racing game, you feel part of it anyway. And because you are having to throw yourself into these turns, it doesn't feel as stupid as it looked on that video. My brother always used to take the mick out of me for sort of moving the controller <laughs> if i are playing Sega Rally or lift it slightly if I was like trying to jump in Sonic or something like that. So you don't need to do that. I was like, I know I don't need to, but you know. It just feels better. It just feels better. And it's, it's a series I think is ripe for a revisit on the Switch maybe. Yeah, I think it could be a really good fun. I mean, Mario Kart 8 is a phenomenal game mm. um, and you know, it was they would have been stupid not to put that on the Switch. But, it wasn't a new experience. Mm. It didn't have that that same thing, especially as I'd obviously already played all the DLC and everything. But yeah, it would be really, really good fun to have another really fun, arcade silly multiplayer game. Like we said before, something that could work well as a coach. Coach? Just thinking of trucks. Uh, <laughs> as a couch co-op game. Obviously, it would work really well with the Joy-Cons. What Nintendo should do, this is just a thought I've had this second. They've got so many dormant racing franchises now. The Excite series. Wave you've Race. You've got Wave Race. You've got 1080 Snowboarding. You've got F-Zero. F-Zero. Bung them all together. Let's do a Smash Bros. racing game. That would <laughs> be brilliant. They could sell it on this basis of just saying, you've asked for this for years. We're not going to develop these games. So you get one of everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is your last chance. Unless this sells billions, we're, we're done. Diddy Kong Racing? Yeah. I mean, I think Rare probably have the rights. But... Oh, all right. Well, not that then. <laughs> <laughs> Super Crash Brothers. Oh, there oh, it is. There it is. He's got it. Well, thank you, Chris, for exciting us with that. Trucking along, Minty, what is your 85th favourite video game? Isn't it nice when you come across a game that's quite unlike anything you've ever played before? Yes. 
I'll tell you what would be quite interesting is to come across a game that you have played before, Minty, or at least at some point in the last 20 years. (laughs) 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 So every now and then you come across a game that's uh, quite unlike anything you've ever played. In an industry where the big cash cow titles seem to be homogenizing, it can leave you really refreshed or just leave you scratching your head thinking did this need to be made and this game my 85th falls into the first category you'll be uh, pleased to know it's a bombastic colorful fun game with a mechanic that i don't think has been done maybe more than three times it's the wonderful 101 oh okay you play as one of these seven wonderful ones each with a different weapon that you summon quite enormously by scooping up civilians and other members of the wonderful 100 and sort of, I guess, smushing them together to make uh, a sword, a gun, a whip, a hammer, uh, some claws, a bomb, a hot dog, or a massive hand, both in normal gameplay and in quick time events, which would usually be a little bit of a cop-out but it was treated more like a finishing move. Sure. And it sort of carried a lot more lot more oomph, uh, much like everything else in the game. It was very over the top. So you're tasked with defending the Earth from the Geth Jerk Federation. And that's about as much as I know about the plot, because it's made by Platinum Games, and I'm just not wired to be good at anything <laughs> that they bring out. So even though I was terrible at it, I did love the -the over-the-top story, the exaggerated sense of threat from the interstellar menace, the dramatic tensions between the prominent members of the wonderful 100. And when I didn't suck too much at it, taking down a boss that was basically three levels in one was just a a really fantastic feeling. And if you're... I I hope you're ready for another huge surprise, because I didn't complete (laughs) this one either. (laughs) (laughs) I needed to uh, get rid of some stuff on my Wii U to make room for another game, which we might be hearing about fairly soon. And because I was rubbish at it. When you played it, Minty, did you control it using the touchscreen or the analog stick? A little bit of both. I tried it out with the touchscreen because it was right there in my lap. And I was like, oh, might as well. But then I started to watch a Let's Play of it. I think it was by Chip and Ironicus. And he used the right stick, yeah. which was way easier to use because with the touch screen, you're sort of you're taking yourself out of the action to like, oh, here we go, let's draw it. Yeah. And I'm left-handed, so touch screen games are just no good for me. Sinister. When I played it, I couldn't get on with either method. Oh. And that was kind of what put me off the most. That I was determined to use the touch screen at first, but like you say, that kind of pulled me away from it too much. So I tried using the analog stick, but then I, I seemed to not be able to remember the shapes I was supposed to draw with it. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I wonder if it's one of the games, like talking about motion control and excite truck, I think it would have worked better I said, like with the Wiimote almost to kind of draw out a shape in the air. Well, it did start development on the Wii. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't surprise me. My only experience playing the game is I remember getting the demo for it and, and playing it on the Wii U. And I was very excited because I knew it was from obviously the development team that had done Beautiful Joe, and that's what I was hoping for. I was hoping for something to fill that beautiful hole. Basically, as soon as I started playing the game and realised that it wasn't Beautiful Joe, which I obviously I should have known going into playing the game that was not Beautiful Joe, I was like, oh, no, I can't, no, no. And I, I did sort of cast it aside. And I only actually occurred to me when I got Bayonetta and Bayonetta 2 on the Switch that... 
I probably missed out a little bit on Wonderful 101 because I was surprised that I could keep up with it. I don't think I did, to be honest, but I think the way they make it is so that you feel like you're kind of in control of an absolute flurry of experience. Given how, how good a time I had with, with Bayonetta, I thought, actually, yeah, maybe maybe I should have given that a proper go. But then actually maybe all I still want is just another Beautiful Joe game. I think it's a real, real shame that that hasn't uh, materialised. Who even owns Beautiful Joe anymore? Because it was done before they split to Platinum, so they were still as Clover Studios then. I think it's Bob Holness <laughs> from Blockbusters. <But> Akami <laughs> got a re-release recently. Yeah. So that's not owned by Platinum anymore, but obviously they developed yeah. it originally. So I don't know if, yeah, if Capcom also still have the rights to Beautiful Joe. It'd be great. It'd be great. Such a good game. It should be on my list and it's not. It's one of those I've just realised. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, thank you for giving us the 101 there on uh, that wonderful game. Lastly, but by no means leastly, is myself. Would you like to know what my 85th favourite video game of all time is? I would. Yes. Very much so, actually. This game is a platform game. Oh. It's a game that was originally released on the Wii U. Oh. That I had briefly. Ah. And then sold oh. and bought again ah. when it was re-released oh. on the Switch. Wow. It is the fifth entry in the Donkey Kong Country series, oh. Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. So I never had a SNES, so I never had the original Donkey Kong Country games on the SNES, but I did have the original Donkey Kong Country game when it was on the Game Boy Color, which I absolutely loved. And I absolutely loved the Donkey Kong Land games on the Game Boy. I'd always seen Donkey Kong Country sort of covered on Games Master and Bad Influence and stuff like that and thought it just looked stunning. Mm. Those wonderfully sort of rendered sprites, beautiful animation. It just looked absolutely wonderful. And I thought that's a really, really nice idea when they decided to resurrect that series with Donkey Kong Country Returns on, on the Wii. I, I had a Wii very, very, very briefly and it, uh, literally for a couple of months and it was not during the time when Donkey Kong Country Returns came out. Uh, however, I did get it when it was ported onto the 3DS and yeah. uh, I didn't like it because it was... <laughs> one of the things that I've always loved about the Donkey Kong Country series is how it was very, very hard, but every time you failed, it was your fault. It ne I never felt cheated out of something. It was I didn't do that right. I missed yeah. that jump by a split second. And because of the lower frame rate on the 3DS, it meant that actually I often felt cheated because it didn't have that silky smooth frame rate. It didn't have that same immediacy in, in response. So I was, I was really gutted because I was so excited to finally get a proper Donkey Kong Country game and something, you know, especially on, on 3DS, I thought it'd be absolutely wonderful. I did finally get it again on the Wii U when it was released on the Virtual Console or whatever, and it was fantastic. The only problem was that by that point I was used to playing HD games, <laughs> and and I'd sort of I, it felt like I was just a step behind Donkey Kong Country Returns every time because either I was getting it when it was been ported, or I'd got it when I was used to playing better games. And then of course Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze was announced, full HD, and I thought. I've just got to get this. And <laughs> it was, I just got to get, I'm going to sack off that one. Oh, I almost completed it, but then fully invest in, in, uh, in, in the new one. Uh, and it was absolutely gorgeous. I mean, beautiful to look at. When I found out that it was going to get ported to the Switch, I, I got it again, played it fully. I had such a wonderful time playing it. It was so mm. nice to finally get it to play it handheld as well. Because I'd played Donkey Kong Country on my Game Boy and the Donkey Kong Land series, it felt like a handheld series to me anyway. And I'd always been a, you know, a real big sort of handheld gamer. And yeah, it was just a really, really good fit. Loads of replay value. I liked the idea of 
the two-player mode. But having, I think we mentioned this the other day with Rayman Legends, having seen how two-player mode can work that well made every other two-player platform experience pale in comparison to Rayman Legends after after seeing that. Because me and my friend uh, Steve, we, we tried to play through Donkey Kong Country together. And boy, it was just so frustrating to do it to play. It, it just felt unnecessarily hard. It didn't feel twice as fun. It felt half as fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was no way of really playing it that you didn't feel the other person was holding you back. <laughs> so we ended up just doing the classic level and a life. Level and a life. Oh, that's the way. That, and, and we had a great time. That's the way. The other reason why it's not higher on my list, because I think, I think it is an absolutely phenomenally well-made game. It's classic Nintendo polish, great platform design, great level design, great art, everything. Great music. Some of my favorite music, actually, in, in a game. Aquatic Ambience. Ooh, how we played uh, played at my funeral, <laughs> maybe. Ariel at Sea. The reason it's not higher on my list is because it, it still doesn't fix some of those classic 2D platforming problems that there are that have rarely been addressed. Namely, what do you think I'm going to say? Reliance on ice levels. Enemy hitboxes. Okay, you're both right. There are, there are three main things. One is ice levels. And I was really hesitant to get Donkey Kong Country because it was called Tropical Freeze. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, like obviously ice levels are almost as infuriating as underwater levels oh, is that the other one <laughs> that's the other one and to be fair it did have a mechanic where if you had dixie kong you could hold down the the button that you would use to use a hair of the helicopter yeah. if you use that underwater it would sort of propel and make it like infinitely easier to, to control but obviously if you got hit then you lost that and also if you picked up the wrong barrel and you got a grandpa with a walking <laughs> stick that's not going to help in, in an underwater siege cranky kong yeah wanky dong more like whoa yes <laughs> Very nice. Cranky Kong is uh, canonically the Donkey Kong from the arcade game. I did not know that. He is, yes. Yeah. That's excellent. And Donkey Kong in Donkey Kong Country is Donkey Kong Jr. from uh, Mario Kart. How about that? Yeah. I did not know that. So ice levels, still annoying. Unnecessarily large enemy hitboxes, especially on bosses, annoying. Underwater levels, still quite annoying. All in all, a brilliant game, but with a few problems that very rarely been resolved in, in games that inevitably will probably be higher on the list than this one. Well. So stay tuned. For another bit of trivia, Monster Studios made Excite Truck. Up until Excite Truck, they only made NASCAR games. They did Excite Truck and Excite Bots. Then they did the DS port of Donkey Kong Country Returns. Okay. They did the Switch port of uh, Tropical Freeze. Yeah. And now they've just made more NASCAR games. Really? Yeah. That's extraordinary. So there is actually a link in developer, Mon Monster go. Games. Well, there we go. So there we have it. Another exciting, wonderful, tropical trio of games. Firstly, we had... Exciting Trucks. Wonderful LOL. And Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. If you've enjoyed this episode, or if indeed you've enjoyed any of the episodes, please do leave us a review, give us five stars, like it, share it with your friends. Find us on Facebook, you can find us if you look for Our Three Cents, join the conversation, we're always chatting about video games, and you can get the latest news about upcoming episodes. You can also reach out to us individually on Twitter, I am at Jonathan Dunn. I am at Chaz underscore Hodges. At Minty Booth, that's me. And please do join us next week, as I'll be joining Minty in person again next week. And I'll be relegated back to a little bin somewhere in Margate. Goodbye.